When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're on SENZ. This is extra time and time for some uh, motorsport chat with our good friend Eric Thompson. How you doing, ET? Yeah, really well, thanks, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. And I, I know we've said it before, but he just keeps proving it time and time again. Scott McLaughlin, is there anything he can't drive? I'm, I'm beginning to think he would dominate in keg racing as well, you know? Oh, he's got a long way to go to be a Van Gisbergen yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, Van Gisbergen gets on the podium in a World Rally Championship. He, he's a New Zealand Grand Prix winner and a single-seater. Supercars winner, international block plan, endurance racing in GTs. He's won Bathurst 12 hours, Bathurst 1000. He's won in the States at the Daytona 24-hour. Mate, Scott McLaughlin's got the potential. But, you know, Van Gisbergen, to me, is truly the guy that you can stick in anything with an internal combustion engine and he will probably win. Well, t- tell us about but, the uh, the 12-hour of Sebring race at, at Florida on the weekend that, that Scott uh, did um, uh, compete at, do well at, got on the podium there with uh, Tower Motorsports because, I mean, I know it was an LPM2 class, but still, that's, it's a pretty good effort, isn't it? I mean, it's a really, really good effort. He's tested with them before. Um, but, you know, it's that age-old adage in probably any sport where, where it's a race, like you know, like athletics or rowing or um, speed skating or anything that involves you know, lots of post-quarter racing, he, um, I think he was, le- he was leading the class and he, they were about six outright. And with about, I think it was 20 minutes or half an hour to go, the three um, Category one cars that they they, they turned out prototypes or um, LMP cars um, took each other out. So suddenly he goes from sixth to third, and and ends up third outright. But you know that's just motorsport. So he did really really well to be in the position to pounce when he needed to, you know. And that's all about racecraft staying out of trouble and doing doing really really well. So um, it was a good result for him. Uh, Scott Dixon and his team. Um, the Cadillac didn't do so well. They had issues very, very early on and lost a whole lot of track time and track positions. But it's funny enough, um, Ricardo, that on the Friday or Saturday morning our time, they had the um, the W, the first round of the World Endurance Championship at Sebring. On the Friday, they had the 1,000 miles of Sebring. And that had um, Earl Bamba in a Cadillac because he's now racing with Ganassi Racing. And um, Brendan Hartley, with the Toyota Gazoo Racing. Um, Hartley ended up second, and um, Earl Bamba ended up fourth or fifth. I can't quite remember. But they were in contention all the way too. So for people of endurance racing, what a hell of a weekend to be at Sebring. Yeah, I reckon. All the big, all the Kiwis were there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, we had um, Jackson Evans, who's in uh, one of the GT classes, and um, Tom Blomquist, although he now races under a UK racing license. Um, you know, he was he was raised in New Zealand. He was racing there too. So yeah, 
Good outing, mate. You're taking over the world. Yeah, taking over the world. Taking over the world, E.T. Baseball, you predicted baseball. it a long time ago. <laughs> I may have mentioned it, actually. There's a whole crop of young fellas coming up. Yeah, you And did. they're all just, you know, they're all standing tall now, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, mate, that's fantastic. All right, hey, let's uh, let's talk some uh, F one. Uh, I see Lewis Hamilton now, uh, and and you alluded to some of this last time we chatted, but he's saying that Red Bull are faster now than Mercedes have ever been. Um, obviously, that might balance out through the season after what you told me last time. But uh, is that is that Lewis Hamilton just throwing up a bit of a red herring to take the uh, take the heat off the team at the moment? Oh yes, mate. He just bought dusted off his violin, playing a woe is me tune. I mean, you know, his, all last season, his teammate, George Russell, you know, beat him. And this year so far, George Russell, his teammate, is beating him. And even Hamilton had the audacity to say in a post-race interview, he said, oh, maybe I should have actually taken some of George's car set up. And I'm going, man, you're too arrogant to do that. But, um, you know, it's, like every, it's not just me. Everybody has said it. Hamilton was so good for so long because he had they the by a country mile best car on the grid for six years by by charge. Now now it's like in anything everybody's caught up. You know, I'll use the All Black analogy. Um, you know, they were dominant for years, and all of a sudden they had an all white crash. Until you have to change your thinking, change your policy, do something innovative. And that's what Aston Martin. Look at Aston Martin. And really interesting, Lawrence Stroll said. It would be a three to five development journey. They're in their third year now with him, and look and look what they're doing. Alonso's on the podium again. Yeah, I mean, it, and uh, you know, brilliant. Brilliant. No, I mean, it wasn't was that it wasn't without controversy that though was it? And Alonso's certainly had a bit of a crack at um, the FIA. I thought it was hilarious when he just said, "Well, hey, I was on the podium. I sprayed the champagne." I held the trophy up a lot, so I was there. Everybody knew I got third, and then they took it away and said, eh, it's three points. I can make that up." <laughs> and then he had, we went on to have a pop at the FIA, and he said, "Why didn't they tell me if I had thirty laps to go?" He said, "I knew I was nine seconds in front of Russell." He said, "I could have easily pushed for another three to four seconds, which means if he got a ten-second penalty, he would still be in third." So he had some pretty valid points, but also the jack touch in the car was so minuscule. And then um, Aston Martin found footage for the last two or three years without every other team with the car jack just cresting the underneath of the car. You don't get any advantage just pushing the thing underneath. So rightly so, they have it. But they've got to look at these pernickety rules. And it was all the other teams that told them that. It wasn't the stewards didn't see it. So, you know. More politicking in one. Oh, Lord, yes. So, um, but um, but the other thing is, like we touched on last time, is everybody's complaining about the Red Bull colour. They can't do any aero testing. They're yeah. done for the whole year. That package has to stay as it is. And you wait, mark my words, in the next three to four races, race weekends, they will not be as dominant as they are now. Aston Martin will get closer. <clears throat> the Ferraris will sort their aero package out. Mercedes will get better, although Toto's will say, oh, he's got such a horrible car, I'll have to get them to build a whole new one. Yeah, right, you just got your aero package wrong. So, and they're allowed to test. So, but the thing for Red Bull and Christian Horner is they're going to have to grab as much points as they, they can over the next two to three races. Like, again, try and get the one-twos so they get a really big buffer in the Constructors' Championship. Because that's all they want. 
all the teams really to them, the team principles, is winning the Constructors' Championship. They're not overly concerned. Yeah, they like it that their driver that they picked wins races, but for them it's Constructors' points because that's where the money comes from. It's hundreds of millions of dollars up for grabs in that Constructors' Championship. There's no money up for grabs winning the Drivers' Championship. Yeah, interesting. So it's it's all about it's all about the uh, the manufacturers getting around. Um, do you do you see Mercedes catching up? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll get it to it. I mean, oh, I don't think Fox can get. You know, they're second in the constructors constructors championship. You know, George Russell is getting the most out of that car, and if they do by some good luck or good management manage to sort Hamilton's car out, um, he'll be up there or thereabouts again. So. But they've just got to give them a good car. Uh, and what about Ferrari? They are they sitting in fourth? Oh. <laughs> they can just never get it. Ferrari are Ferrari's own worst enemy. They have been since Michael Schumacher left. And people go, well, you know, why? why? Why was Schumacher so successful? Because he marched in there and just he didn't care whether there was a long family history of Ferrari. He just told them all what to do. Because, you know, he had the pedigree, he had the presence, he had the gravitas. And he just marched in there and said, right, no, we're not doing that. We're doing this. And boom, was it five world championships in a row? Yep. Can you imagine little old Charles Leclerc marching up to team principal going, no, we're not doing that. No, no, stupid idea. This is what we'll do. That's what they need, a driver that can actually march up to all those bickering things. You know, it's like any family-run business in the third generation of Ferrari family running it. They all think they know better than everybody else. That's their problem. Who do they get? And they got the guy from Alfa Romeo. He's now the team principal because they got rid of the other guy who made some really appalling strategy decisions. I mean, you just have to watch the drive to survive, season five, I think it is, to see how Leclerc lost so many races because they put the wrong tyres on, they didn't pull him in, or you know, they wouldn't listen to Leclerc. So, so he, he got the archer. He got so they got this new guy in. Yeah, all right, uh, but I mean, you me- you mentioned a, a driver who can who could walk in and sort that out. Is there a driver like that? I mean, is it just easy to say Max Verstappen? But yes, Verstappen could. He's got the pedigree. He's got world titles. Alonso probably would, but he's already been at Ferrari and it didn't sort of work out too well. Mind you, that at the top of the car. But in that grid, because everybody's going for youth, you know, and you can't really. Oh, Carlos Sainz, maybe, maybe. Um, but he's a bit of a quiet bloke. He's not a Mr. Grumpy. He had to be a bit of a Mr. Grumpy. It's like when Raikkonen went to Ferrari, all of a sudden they got quite good. Because he wouldn't have listened to an engine. You know, remember what he, that great clip when he was at Lotus and the engineers saying, you know, just look after your tyres. And and um, I think it was a prayers or somebody. It's closing. And the guy, and Raikkonen just says, shut up. I know what I am doing. <laughs> See, guys like that just say, Go, get out of my ear. Let me do the driving. So you sort of need somebody like that at Ferrari um, to actually tell all the bickering to pull their heads in. But, um, be a matter of... You know, we should. Yeah, yeah but... it's a lot of the time... Sorry, Ricardo? No, I was going to say... Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I guess it's just a matter of time, right, until they, they, they finally get that right. They, they clean house and, and get someone that can do that. I, I mean, one thing I do notice, there are no Italian drivers anymore either. Uh, I don't know if that has any impact. <laughs> Oh, I mean, they'd love to have an Italian driver in there. It'd be like, yeah, they'd want at least one Italian driver in there, even if, even if they were sort of midfield. Yeah. Because imagine them all going off. But, I mean, 
they've got the basics of a really good car. It'll take a small tweak. And if they start winning the odd race, it'll all be rosy in the camp and they'll all be happy chappies and, and you know, happy girls and everybody and everybody will be patting each other on the back and it'll all be harmonious until they start losing again and then it's all... Your fault! Your fault! Not your fault! Your fault! Your fault! Not your fault! Ah, <laughs> oh dear. You're actually selling Drive to Survive to me. I might have to go watch it now. I might have to go watch it, Eric. Um, it, It's actually season five. I mean, still the best one is season one. Right. Because it was, a, it was so different and innovative. Um, five's better than four. The four had all these family shots of people in their humongous houses and all that sort of stuff and what Corner's wife, the ex girl band woman, can't remember her name, of her riding poonies <laughs> and talking about racing and you're sort of going, what? It's not a woman's weekly lifestyle magazine. But this one's gone a bit back to the basics. So, um, But there's still a lot of sort of off-track stuff. So I think for pure enthusiasts, it's sort of lost that pure on-track drama thing. And it's not delving into, you know, the team principal. But Gunther Steiner, my favourite almost ever team principal, is by far the most honest and straight-up team principal. He's as funny as they come, Ricardo, with his comments. All right. He I... doesn't take anything. I might have to give it a look, Eric. You, I might have to, you might have sold me on it. You might have sold me on it. I'll give and it that, a look. Yeah, this is this is me. I'm pretty cynical. Yeah, but well, um, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm cynical, mate, and I'll own it. <laughs> good stuff, ET. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on, mate. Always good to chat motorsport with you. Uh, enjoy enjoy the bridge house tonight, uh, or the tennis, depending which comes first. And we'll catch you again soon, eh? All right. Always a pleasure, Ricardo. Thanks for the time, man.